previously on Flowers for Zoe, Stories for Dennis. I think people who are recovering from addiction are some of the bravest people in the world. And now coming up on the show. Is there anything special about smart recovery that's different? Yeah, so many things. Sometimes um, shame comes in when you're speaking to somebody that hasn't done those darkest things that you have done because they haven't been in the situation where they had to do it the way you have. On today's podcast, we talk with Sarush about smart recovery, something I will call a state-of-the-art rehab program. If you find today's episode activating, please reach out and talk to somebody. If you find the discussion helpful, please share the link with others. Welcome, everybody, to Podcast 25. Hello, Lara. Hi. Hello, Zoe. Hello. How's everyone? I'm good, and we're going to welcome a returning guest, Sarush. Uh, Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me back. It's always so exciting. We're basically here today because Zoe's thinking about getting into a rehab course. She's contemplating it, and Sarush is a facilitator of a rehab course called Smart Recovery. Sarush, maybe from a very high level, can you define what is Smart Recovery? Um, Yeah. I would always hear about smart recovery. There would people come up to me and be like, you know what? We see that you don't connect to some part of other program. There's this other, you know, program that you might like. And so I was always curious because smart recovery, it's, um, you know, growing faster than ever. I had a talk with my physician. She recommended that I give this other group the try. So uh, I just started going to those smart recovery group as I was trying to figure out what I want for myself and how I'm going to continue on this path. And you, like you said, you've tried the 12-step program with AA. How many other programs or rehab courses have you tried outside uh, of smart recovery? Well, I've tried um, the AA, the NA, uh, all, you know, 12-step based. I've been to a meeting that's this program about moderation, more about alcohol use. It's called moderation management. I've been to a program, I was just curious, it's called Dharma Recovery, and it's based on a Buddhist kind of philosophy they do guided meditation so it's very meditation and buddhist focus so would you say i mean is there anything special about smart recovery that's different yeah so many things i love so much about it to be honest and the more i go through it the more i like it to be honest right off the bat was something that grew on me do you know what SMART stands for? I don't. Do you want to give it a try? Sobriety? Is that uh, is that the S, sobriety? No, that's not the oh, answer. Okay. But that's one of the yeah, highest answers I get. And 
one of the first ones that I got from the groups, but no. That's that's the main one I was also thinking. Okay. So what would the M be? Motivation. No. No. <laughs> wow. no sobriety, not motivation. Well, I'm I'm gonna guess that the A does not stand for abstinence. No. <laughs> Should I just give away the first one? Yes. It's self. Self. Oh. Uh, and the M is for management. So it's a self-management. And that's probably why I like the, the most. It's a self-empowerment recovery program. It's the most emphasis on the self. So what you think is best for you, how you want to shape your recovery is individualized. As many people there is, I think there are recovery paths. And that's what this program believes in. It doesn't have a same recipe for all individuals. While we're on the topic of smart recovery being different than other type of rehab programs, when it comes to the group that you're you're teaching and managing, do you express to them that you are of like an addict yourself? Because I eventually yes. want to get into the same thing that you're doing right now. Like I want to go through my rehab and 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 learn what I can from that, and then one day hopefully manage a course. Yes, probably one of the first things right off the bat. I model all the things that I, I kind of picked up and learned. Yeah, that's what really motivated me to want to do this. You know, first was that. I started going to these groups and things started to really make sense for me. I really connected with it. I was able to do recovery on my own terms, you know, take as much time as I need. And it took a long time for me, right? A couple of years, I was going to these groups probably daily at some points because they offer it every morning. I just became like a, you know, a habit, something that I did every morning. Do you believe that letting your your past struggles and your journey and your history be known to the people that you're working with, it kind of changes the program in a positive way? Like if I had maybe somebody that walked in my shoes running a program, I feel maybe I would have looked at it differently because the information I would have been receiving would have been a little bit different. Other programs that I attended when I lived up north and stuff like that, they were all run by people who never walked in those shoes. So I kind of felt like I was being more lectured than I was understood. I think this brings up a lot around this new and growing area of peer support. Oh, yes, it's great. I love peer it. Peer support brings lived experience. It's allowing, you know, peer support workers to work with other care providers and other professionals because no one person can provide it all. Right. So I think we need we're a seeing, team. You yeah, need a team in this. It's building the team. So there's more and more peer support workers running groups and connecting with people in mentorship roles and supporting in a way that is very different and unique from other professional roles. Right, right. So Zoe, what does it mean to you personally? Like when you think about, you know, working with or attending a group where the facilitator has lived experience, how does it change it for you? It just helps a lot to be able to have somebody 
in those higher grounds that have been through the whole shebang of everything that you can resonate with on a different level. It just helps to have that person who's been there, been through it, can say like, I got through it and it's probably one of the hardest things in life, but it's possible, it's doable, and I understand you. It makes me feel completely understood, you know, like there's so much to resonate on. There's, you know, I I don't believe I could probably say anything that that person didn't get or didn't already go through or or doesn't know about. You know, and and sometimes um, shame comes in when you're speaking to somebody that hasn't done those darkest things that you have done because they haven't been in the situation where they had to do it the way you have. From the time that I was in detox, you know, I went myself and I was so sure that I want to do this. I was at the point that I wanted to. But after a week of detox, I wanted to leave. Right? Yeah. And from that, so that's how complex this is, right? And it was the peer support workers and people with lived experience from that very beginning that actually there was a nurse who, you know, had experienced herself and they like sat down with me and that understood, that was the first time that I met someone like that in that context of lived experience, but did in recovery and helping others right away was wow so powerful like mm. what look how much this person could do among all these other professionals you know and physicians and specialists and all that a couple of months later they just handed it over to that guy you know and they realized that people are coming back more there are mm. like a broader range of people coming you know not mm. just people who are really in recovery and trying to stay sober but people who want to uh, are not sure about things and everything started to it, the group started to grow more and more right their groups became different but more intimate and more how now i know that how it's supposed to be right, right. it's a mutual help mm -hmm. you know support group so you're supposed to support each other and go through this um tools and exercises and concepts and and practice them on a daily or weekly basis eventually I, I get a really good hang of this stuff and people come up to me and they're like you know what you should do this because they see all the you know how well the peer mm -hmm. support worker is doing and I was now kind of like a veteran I was like you know I was there all the time and so I would get feedbacks from people but I still I'm like me no I, I can't never do that like I that's not something that I ever saw myself doing to be honest yeah. with you I was very um yeah I I was defensive I didn't connect it with that role to be honest and um I'm like you know what I don't feel like I can be helpful or I'm not in the position that uh I can like you know be a model for anyone you know, I'm not like fully happy myself. Uh, I don't know if all these peer support workers are, you know, faking it to, or making it, you know. So it was that trust issue. And I exactly remember like a week or the period that there was a shift. You know, I was starting to being really happy. Things started to mm -hmm. change. And I'm like, I get it, you know, 
when this guy was saying just stick around and you'll be the happiest that you've ever been now i get it so you know what uh, all these other people's telling me maybe this is something i should do so i'm gonna uh look up i'm gonna uh you know stick figure it out. out yeah yeah so are you right now sarush are you the happiest you've ever been i am the happiest i've ever been most definitely yeah it's powerful too and and there's a sign of hope in it because when you see your peers and stuff like that, like you're saying peer support workers and stuff, like you look at them and it's like, holy shit, they made it. They got through everything that I'm now going through. And that could be me one day. I just have to stick it out. So there's so much hope in, you know, having those peer supports, like those people who have been through it. You know, just to kind of look at your life and know the hardships that you're facing at the moment and knowing that these people that are helping you were once in your shoes and look at where they are now. It's possible. You're capable of doing it. You're capable of getting through it. And you're capable to eventually help other people in the same boat. There's so much hope in that. And there's so much to feel empowered about when you really think of just yeah. the whole process of it. I mean, and that's amazing. I mean, Zoe's been in this mode, I guess you could call it of helping people for almost a year now. And it's, it's really genuine and it's really heartfelt and it looks really good on Zoe too. <laughs> It does. Thank you. Yeah. I should get into what are those other acronyms stand for? What so do you think? SMART. S-M-A-R-T. Yes. The A is boring, I'm telling you. <laughs> so S is for self, like you said. M, M is management. Management. Self-management and? And... Yes. Okay. You got that one right. RT. So what <laughs> are the You said it RTs? was boring. So so now RT. So self-management and real transformation. <laughs> Very good guess. But no. Hmm. Routine. Oh, regular, recovery model. Recovery. Oh, there you go. Recovery. 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 And T. Team. But it's training. Okay. So, training. Uh, okay. Smart stands for self-management and recovery training. And I like it because it's self-explanatory in many ways. So the power is on the self. It's about managing yourself, your recovery, your life, and then recovery. Um, not sobriety, not abstinence program recovery. but a recovery program so the emphasis is on recovery and the training just like any other training like going to the gym something you study it requires training there are tools in there you need to train because smart believes that addiction is a learned unhelpful behavior and this is different than some recovery model that believe addiction is a disease or is uh you know biology that's what smart beliefs so just like any 
thing that you can learn and it's unhelpful. Now you need to unlearn those behaviors and you need to learn new ways of thinking and behaving and feeling. Zoe, I noticed the peer support component, you you light up with the peer support component. There's something about the peer support program and that peer support role that I can see it in your face. You're like, okay, this is where there's no judgment here. There's less judgment here. And we've had lots of conversations about activities. You go through them like we did the cost benefit analysis. We did stages of change. We've had conversations about it. It's got me thinking about what changes when peer support meets activities. There's something different about walking through these activities with peers versus walking through these activities with a therapist or a professional or or working just alone with a manual even. That's the heart of this program. The magic, the progress happens in the meetings with the peers, you know, helping each other and going through these exercises. Structure to every meeting, there's an opening statement that is read and talks about what uh, SMART is for the people who are new. And then there is a check-in. And so people bring up, you know, what's going on for them or what, you know, uh, what they're dealing with. Then it comes the discussion part of the meeting. And that's usually happens from what the peers brought up. A whole meeting, like the last meeting I did, whole meeting was just on one tool because that's what happens. So it's not like going through the book. If the peers decide they want to, you know, read a chapter, for example, that's exactly how it is. That's how it becomes really helpful because you start to learn so much from others going through this path with the same challenges. You start to realize you're not alone and people have very similar challenges or very similar thought patterns. It boils down to being in a safe space, a safe environment. You're able to resonate with your peers, you know, and also it brings back that shame where you don't feel judged. You, you know, you in a sense, you're shameless being able to speak on things that have happened on your journey, on, on the outcomes of things, on your relapses, on, you know, just you feel understood, like I said, from the beginning, and you are able to resonate with all of these people. You feel no shame. You don't feel the judgment. You feel like everybody, as different as everybody's story is, we all have similar situations that we have been through and gone through and continue to endure so it's just, it's comfort. You feel comfortable in your surroundings when you have peer support and, and just, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a family. Yeah. So, you know, right off uh, when, when you say that, it makes me think of this other, you know, principle of smart that it discourages the use of labels. No mm-hmm. labels. You don't need to identify yourself as an addict, an alcoholic, or a gambler, yeah. you know, because it believes that usually that doesn't motivate you. It doesn't encourage you. It brings hopelessness. 
and hopelessness mm. fuels addiction, right? And I totally identify with that. When so I went to great. AA... That's great oh. because it's new, right? These are new things that people are bringing forth. Like, whereas, like, before, you know, going to AA or NA, it's like, hi, I'm Zoe, I'm an addict. Or, hi, I'm Zoe, I'm an alcoholic. Like, that was just the rules of getting into those programs. And this is what you said. This is what you did. This is how you introduced yourself. And you, you're breaking that you're breaking those rules in a good way you know what i'm saying you're saying hey because you're an addict this is not what defines you as a person right and i, I like that i like that a lot if you think you're an addict what are you going to be an mm -hmm. addict an addict right <laughs> so what what the hell right no shame and no use of these labels again stages of change so again, what stages of change model says is that things happen. People usually go through different stages. They have slip ups, they come back, they try again. You know, there are parts of it that they need to focus on more until they get it. And so there is no shame or guilt about having relapses because it believes and those are actually one of the best opportunities for learning. Like when someone has a relapse and everyone's like, great. Like everyone's so excited to talk about it and get into it, right? <laughs> uh, because there's so much in there, even a slip up, even uh, a night of, you know, uh, that I went out, you know, can bring so much, uh, you know, opportunities for learning. Whereas if I hide that and keep that for myself, the only thing that brings for me is the shame. And that's how, how I felt going to the meetings that I couldn't be open, you know? Um, so you, you couldn't, you didn't feel like you could be open about your slips. I went to AA for months. I had slip ups. I started, you know, using cannabis, for example, and you don't feel good to go back and say that, or mm -hmm. even you don't feel good to be there. That's not people uh, that do that kind of don't belong there as much as they say the only requirement is you know the will to not want to drink or use but i did not feel that but in these meetings um i felt accepted so what's something that you might say to somebody who's had a slip and they're like oh i don't know if i want to come back or they've had a slip and maybe they're struggling like what what's the smart recovery sort of response to that there's a lack of motivation if they don't want to come back you know so that takes you to that first point so why aren't you motivated they already did the cost benefit analysis for example and they know you know the benefits and all that you try to bring motivation out and talk about that smart is all about choice one of the taglines is the power of choice so it's your choice right you might not want to stay sober right now. And that's, that was really attractive to me, but I can still go and learn these tools, right? If yeah, I'm open to it. I would imagine it's really important to have somebody say, okay, it happened. It's okay. The extreme of that is when we hold abstinence as the one and only goal, then there's never room to just be okay when a slip happens. 
from this perspective, if relapse or slips or whatever you want to call it is part of change and part of recovery, we got you. Yeah. yeah. So let's say you come back from uh, slipping and um, you actually loved it. it. It was fun. You know, you could identify it sweat and you want to uh, keep using. In that meeting, for example, a motivation tool can be used. Okay, um, let's do the hierarchy of values. Can you think of like some of your values that you hold dear to yourself that you live for? That um, I never thought about these things until I was in recovery. To be honest with you, I just continued uh, on life, not knowing these things. But what are your values, Daniel? For example, you can give me one example. Um. One of my values is to uh, do good at work, to be, so to be a good employee. Work, success, or, right, that's one of my values. What about you, Laura? Oh, man, you know, I can, I really resonate with that work ethic thing. But, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy. I really value kindness. I just, I just know that everything's better when you kind of look through this lens of kindness. I feel like I value it when people are kind. I love those people when, when difficult things are happening and I can kind of connect with kindness. I, I feel connected and grounded in it. So I'd put kindness up on my, up on the top of my values. I want to change my answer. You can add to it. You can add to it, you know, and it's a hierarchy. So everyone can put five for themselves if they feel yeah. like it. Right. How about you, Zoe? What's one of your values? Uh, family and loyalty. Not mm -hmm. only being loyal to your family and people you care about, but being loyal to yourself. Right? Beautiful. Oh, good one. I like that one. Being loyal. What about to you, yourself? Saroosh? What's yeah. one of your values, Saroosh? Uh, yeah, uh, to be honest, you uh, shared most of my values are already there. You know, family is a big one. And uh, I, I said, like, you know, being successful, but like, you know, myself or my confident or self-worth kind of like, that's what I'm really working on. Oh, um, self-worth is a good one. I like that. Um, self-worth. Yeah. So then these are things that, that we work on, right? Like being successful at work. We spend a lot of time on that or kindness, you said, right? We try to be kind and put so much effort in there. So in a meeting, everybody shares that or a person who went through, you know, a relapse and um, they've been using for a while and you would ask them, so what do you see missing on this list? If these are the things that you spend your days and nights focusing on, you base your life on these. Now, the life that you're living going on with using your substance what do you see missing on that list? Mm -hmm. But usually people going through addictions don't put their substance on that list. But right. is it fair that it would be? Where does that go? Is that on the top? Or is that on the bottom? Does that come on over your family? No. Your work? No. But what if, what about the time that you were using? Yeah, we did. We did speak about that before. And it took me a while 
um, actually, once I was finally sober is when I was able to be honest with myself and say as much as I didn't want it to go above my happiness or my children or my family or the love that I had for them. It was on the top of my list when I was in active addiction. Using was more important than everything at that point in my life. And it took me a long time to be honest with myself, let alone other people, but that is what it was. It, it It's what I thought about when I woke up. It's what I thought about before going to sleep. It's what I thought about throughout my day. It was in fact the most important thing of my life during my active addiction, it was. Bingo, right? That, that, that's the answer. So, uh, so this is like a you know motivational interviewing kind of tool, and it's, it's in that part, right? It's it might be discouraging, and it mm -hmm. for sure was for me. It made me think, but you know what? The next time I wanted to use, it just made me think. Usually, we ignore those. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it was fun. The first time I relapsed, I'm like, wow, I I remember this. You know, my body just mm -hmm. right back in that mode. I just identify with that so much you know but right. doing what i i'm doing right now and if i continue doing this as much fun as i think it will it is i am sacrificing those other values from the first day i'm lying to my family i'm not kind anymore even mm -hmm. how much i want to my self-worth is out of end uh, yeah. I, I feel so shameful about myself so the decision is yours right the choice is yours
great. Nice.